Hello from your favorite Grasslands PR team. This week we're back with another reason why these overlooked and underappreciated ecosystems are objectively the best biome. I'm Nicole. I'm Alan. And I'm Rachel. And this week, we're talking about one of the most ferocious hunters of the short grass prairies, sagebrush and sand dunes of North America. Mm. Surprisingly few predators. They stalk their prey in the underbrush, letting out a shrill cry before attacking. (laughs) Solitary, extremely aggressive, it seeks out even venomous creatures and its own kind as prey. Dang. After a long hunt, it stands back on its haunches and lets out a piercing howl that a human can hear from a hundred meters away. Wow. What a monster. This creature is a mouse, of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. Well, I say that because I think you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but this is the grasshopper mouse, which is the subject of our final episode of the season. And it's a very good one. So yes. I'm incredibly excited. Amazing. <laughs> Just golf claps in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the a fun preview of all the things that are to come. Uh, grasshopper mice are a group of mice, and there are only three species of them, one of which was thought to be one of the other two species for most of its existence. Um, but it turns out it's slightly it's slightly different enough that it gets its own species name now. So there's three of them. Okay. And each one of them is endemic to both the savanna grasslands and the desert environments of the U.S. and Mexico. Nice. Yes. Um, All of the information that I'm going to give you guys today about grasshopper mice are true of all three species, unless noted otherwise. They are very similar to each other. Mainly their differences are in like the habitats they prefer, their coloration, and some of their like body type stuff um also maybe like other differences we'll get into at some point but yeah that's hmm. so that's the grasshopper have either of you had encounters with grasshopper mice because they are in kansas i personally have not no yeah i haven't either neither have i they're very cryptic i take it and uh, nocturnal right yeah they're super super nocturnal they're pretty cryptic except for the fact that they announce their presence with howls um <laughs> oh, which is a thing humans can hear feels mm-hmm. like more of a warning than anything yes. yeah well that's true <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean i've i've only really and i've done some small mammal trapping but i don't think it was far enough to the west to really be mm. around them and they're pretty yeah. infrequent anyway they like have i mean well they they do have territories they guard and it's a pretty broad territory it's not like there's colonies of these things everywhere um so yeah hard hard to stumble upon they're they're really really difficult to find unless you're listening for them and I have heard anecdotal stories of people, like even um, famed local naturalist Bob Gress, telling me that he hears them at night when he's camping sometimes. Hmm. And uh, anecdotally, that maybe the frequency with which he's heard them has decreased over the years. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I otherwise have not really encountered them. Yeah. Interesting. So. Mm-hmm. 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 No, I'm gonna let you know what? 
I'm going to let you stay on your outline. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me your question. If it's done with Nicole, it's all good. No, I want to hear what's coming next. And then, you know, we're going to, we're going to stay focused. Uh Uh-huh and coherent with this episode (laughs) okay if you say so um i will just give you like an overview so you know what to expect and like the things that i plan on talking about so if you have any questions at any time feel free to butt in um but we're gonna start by just like kind of giving an overview of what this mouse is like in a little bit more detail we're gonna talk about specifically its predatory behaviors its vocalizations and its relationship with toxicity And I had some really fun sources in this. There was one account by the U.S. Department of Agriculture from 1966 that had, like, just some very fun descriptions of these animals and also some, you know, that, like, that weird old-timey attitude about animals where it's like, I don't think people would publish stuff like this before, but it's like, here's an entire section on its disposition as a pet. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you, you know, just... That fun old-timey biologist stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a different so, time. Very mm-hmm. different time. Um, but that's that's my plan for this episode. And so I guess I'll start by giving you guys some more, like, general information yes. about these three species. So, first of all, they really like to be in xeric environments. Um, that's true of all three species. The three species are uh, the northern grasshopper mouse, which is the one we get here in Kansas, uh, the southern grasshopper mouse, and then also the Merns, or sometimes called the Chihuahuan grasshopper mouse. Mm. So that kind of paints a picture of where those guys are. Um, The Merns has like a pretty limited range around like the New Mexico to Texas dipping into Mexico area. Um, Southern grasshopper mice are Mexico in the Southwest. Northern grasshopper mice get up into short grass prairie areas. And I think we're familiar with the fact that even in a lot of these desert areas, they are still like mixed with grasslands. Um, The Chihuahuan desert has grasslands in it, even Mm -hmm. though it's called a desert. So um, really these animals kind of live in that spectrum of the sort of xeric side of grasslands environments. So everywhere from just straight up short grass prairie down to sand dunes, they're living in that range of habitats. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Or we're just assuming everyone knows what the word xeric means. Um, Like deserty stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. (laughs) X-E-R-I-C. Yeah. It's a good Scrabble word. It's a very good Scrabble word. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So dry environments, <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> um, these animals are, okay, in the mouse world, mice tend to be like really elongated and like, you know, fast and quick on their feet. So the grasshopper mouse is sort of like a one ounce corgi <laughs> body type in the mouse world, okay. right? Okay, so very short, like very thick tapered tail it's weird um short legs really wide bodies and uh they're because of this not as fast as other mice Mm. they're slower they're they're corgis shaped you know (laughs) um but they are extremely agile so we're talking like darting barrel rolls like jumping around (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um this is important because in tests of contest against other mice, that is what gives them an edge. Oh, my God. Hold on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, 
tests tests of uh, skill and strength with other mice. Oh yes, um, grasshopper mice mm-hmm. do murder other mice species. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. All okay. the time. Okay. Um, so you know the only way that other mice have a chance against the grasshopper mouse is mm. number one, if it hasn't eaten recently, okay. or if it has eaten recently rather. Number two, it's a wide open space and it can just sprint. <laughs> I see. Okay. Excellent. See? Okay. At first, I was concerned that there was battle royales going on in a lab. Oh, there that's are. What, yeah. That's what it did sound yep. like. And mm. there are, in fact. There are, in fact. Okay. Yeah. Good Actually, to know. Um, the research on these guys, a lot of uh, a lot of the work we've done on them comes from ye olden past. So there's a lot of very sketchy research mm. on grasshopper mice, and then mostly research on toxins. And then more recently, the work that I was able to find was about their vocalizations. Okay. So besides toxin research and vocalizations, there really hasn't been work done on grasshopper mice okay. uh, earlier than like maybe the 90s, Dang. Uh, but mostly like the 60s, 70s, 80s. Gotcha. Right. When it was yeah. okay to put a bunch of animals in a box and see if they kill each other. Yeah. And see like, you know, test their strategies for sure. murder and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah that's valid information. Yeah. 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 Um, so the other thing we need to know about grasshopper mice is that they specialize in killing other animals so this is a predatory mouse which is the thing that makes them different and is almost certainly the thing that allowed them to evolve so many insane um behaviors strange physiological adaptations and not only do they eat 90 percent of up to 90 percent of their diet in other animals they specialize in preying on venomous or dangerous animals including small snakes and animals that literally eat mice. Mm-hmm. Um, in Arizona, naturalists actually first called them scorpion mice because their bellies were usually full of scorpions instead of grasshoppers, Dang. which is how they got the grasshopper mouse name. That's fun. Yeah. Scorpion mice sounds way cooler. It, it sounds does. way cooler. I it don't does. know why we stuck with grasshoppers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, And some good news about grasshopper mice. They are considered of least concern. I found a hilarious quote on the Animal Diversity website. I just think it's hilarious. Um, The person who wrote that page said, As with many rodents, grasshopper mice are extremely fertile. They are difficult (laughs) to wipe out, even by man. (laughs) Even by man. Dang. They're like, uh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, so none of these species are in any danger at all, not even the murns. I was kind of, I always worry about the little, like, mm-hmm. weird species branch being an endangered species or something, yeah. but no, they're totally fine. Nice. So, nice. yeah, they're doing great. Other species should be concerned with the grasshopper mouse. That's what they keep saying, so well. yeah. <laughs> There's some research on, on that, actually. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, even, even prairie birds, like need to be worried about grasshopper mice wow yeah you know how um biologists often have to justify the existence of animals by saying how it impacts humans mm-hmm. a lot of people keep saying like well they are helping to destroy pests yeah <laughs> that's amazing they're protecting farmers crops if you think about it even though 10 yeah. percent of the time they eat them <laughs> uh-huh. i love that it's a good trade-off though yeah i mean it's pretty good you know they're de-scorpioning and, uh, you know, you're... De-grasshoppering. You're, yeah. Mm-hmm. So pretty pretty, pretty good service they're providing, really. Yeah, I would say so, for sure. Yeah. 
A um, couple more general things about these guys. Number one, well, three more things. Number one, they are extremely aggressive. <laughs> like, yeah. very aggressive. Um, for example, this is one of those old-timey papers, right? Uh, if mice of the same sex are put together in a closed environment, the dominant mouse will kill the other within 72 hours of first contact. Dang, that's a uh, meerkatty almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the opposite sex can instead form a bond wherein they do not kill each other. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the female will kill her mate anyway. Just. And, and specifically the female will kill her mate, not uh -huh. the other way around. Yeah. Okay. What's the, what's the benefit of that? What's the what? <laughs> what's the benefit of that? Why? I don't know, man. I like they're what just, if they're not interested in any parental investment from? Well, they don't get any parental investment from the male. Well, sure. So the the benefit of having a mate around is that sometimes they will like hunt together, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, but he yeah doesn't provide anything in terms of parental care. They just get to maybe more easily defend their territory together or something. Yeah, which is a benefit, yeah. but it's just easier to. You know, just not have them around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I dead mean, it probably tastes okay. <laughs> <laughs> they will eat each other. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm. Um, the other thing, um, they are really spread out. So I think I hinted at this already. But uh, for example, in Nevada, the southern grasshopper mouse averages 1.83 mice per hectare. So that's like the size of their territory. And maybe that second mouse in that territory is like, it could be a mate or something di making that average different. So, yeah. So, oh, quick question though. Mm -hmm. Has mate killing been observed in the wild or is that exclusively in captivity? Because that, that is like, yes. that's, it has been observed in the wild. Yes. Okay. Yep. Just checking. Yeah. You know, that's... It is, yeah. Under laboratory conditions, animals can behave like very differently from right. in the wild. But it is something that is documented. Um, let me see. There there was something I had. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I did have um, this a little bit later on. But, you know, for a bit of more context, like there have been studies on the Mern's grasshopper grasshopper mouse quite a bit and uh here's a, a quote from one of those sources uh, it has been suggested that these mice may live in male female pairs year round although this would seem to shorten the lifespan as one of the pair inevitably kills the other hmm. for that species specifically and those are studies of wild mice interesting yeah so hmm. being in a pair could shorten your lifespan yeah sure but you know Maybe you had a great time in the meantime. Yeah. yeah. It's nice while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> Very like spidery, you know? Like. Right. Yeah. I was going to say. Hmm. Um, and these territories are staked out and defended not only like viciously with aggression, but also with other means like a lot of large predators do. They scent mark the boundaries of their territory. Uh, some grasshopper mice are described as being kind of skunky. People who breed them uh, in captivity will complain about the smell and warn you that they have <laughs> mm -hmm. a, an odor to them. Um, so they mark their territory and they use vocalizations, including howls, to communicate over long distances uh, where their territory is. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's very fun. <laughs> I do have a clip of that later on for you guys. Nice. <laughs> Final thing, they're extremely nocturnal, 
And I just thought this was interesting because, um, you know, a lot of nocturnal animals, you know, they might pop out in the daytime and be okay in daylight. But I just want you to understand that these mice are like literally shrink away from the light nocturnal. <laughs> like they hate the light. If they have the option to be in darkness, they will 100% of the time be in darkness or the darkest part of their cage. They they like actively avoid the light. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. A little vampire-y. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's this is truly fun. a monstrous creature. It's it's very fun. Isn't it mm -hmm. so yeah. good? A little... <laughs> <laughs> what, what a little monster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Good stuff. Okay, well, let's move on to talking more specifically about their predatory behaviors. Mm. Number one. <laughs> Sorry, this is <laughs> drama. <laughs> no, this is good. Um, because this is such a huge part of the grasshopper mouse identity, uh, their physiology is adapted to this. Um, for example, their teeth are smaller than usual for mice, and they have pointed cusps. So not we're not talking about the incisors, which are already extremely sharp. Anybody who's been bitten by a mouse knows that. Mm -hmm. um, but the the cusps of like molars and premolars are all pointed uh, to reflect that diet too. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also do mostly eat insects. So while I said almost 90% of their diet is other animals, most of that's like beetles, grasshoppers, scorpions, other arthropods of some sort. Um, but this diet does include other mice and even their own species. They will kill small snakes. They will kill birds. They will kill like – it's been described that uh, they will kill anything that's like their size or smaller that moves – and then, um, yeah, uh, see if they can eat it. <laughs> but because most of the, <laughs> um, but because most of their diet is insects, they have like protections. So chitin, like the the exoskeletons of insects, mm -hmm. very sharp and pointy, mm -hmm. somewhat dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, their stomach is like protected against the chitin of insects. There's like, you know, sensitive glands in your stomach and grasshopper mice have evolved these like really special protective pockets that keep them tucked out of the way so that the chitin doesn't damage it. Interesting. Isn't Weird. that wild? So. Because well, yeah, like the digestive tracts of obligate carnivores are really different than mm -hmm. herbivores. So like, and this is a, a creature that's closely related to like granivorous mice, like things yeah. that eat. Yeah. So. That's really strange. Like you would ex like that would have such a, I don't know. Just, a it's, it's so different in its yeah. habits. Yeah. Mm. Well, and like even though it does still eat grains and and stuff like that, it's like ten percent of their diet. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's wild the sort of pressure these guys are under to evolve these like crazy things. Yeah. <laughs> um. I also want to point out um, that as a deserty or, you know, more arid species, uh, they also have some moisture issues and so some moisture adaptations. The one that I want to inform you about is that they do get their moisture from animal tissue. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There's not a lot of free water out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, got to get your, got to get your down. water. <laughs> no. Um, hunt a grasshopper and suck it dry. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Are these the kind of so they will like I mean obviously they would eat insects whole I'd imagine but like for the larger prey 
birds, other mice, etc. Are they? They're not obviously like. Are they consuming the entire organism, or they're just like <laughs> stripping them bare? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> they've been described as consuming larger prey in a similar manner to wolves, uh, okay. to the point of like putting a paw on the bone and ripping the meat off of it. Nice. Uh, so <laughs> they they do strip the meat. They're not consuming the entire thing. Okay. Uh, they they uh, will eat the pieces of the animal that they want. So they leave like a little crime scene behind. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I love it. Yeah, which makes it great for researchers to you know. Like mm, who who was here? It was the grasshopper mouse. There's the little mm. paw prints. <laughs> uh, terrible. I love it. Um, so their behaviors are really fun in this aspect too because they they do have like huge apex predator energy, mm-hmm. which I think is why this animal is so delightful because it is a mouse. Yeah, but it's out here <laughs> acting like it's a wolf or like a panther or something like literally. Um. So, you know, one of the fun things about their predatory behaviors is that, like many predators that are nocturnal, it's heavily influenced by the moon phase and by weather patterns and things like that. Um, They hunt more often during clear nights when the moon is full. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so good. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I think it's all there's like always a different nocturnal animals respond differently to moonlight. Mm -hmm. Like I know when we've done black footed ferret surveys, you know, we prefer the new moon because they tend to move around more often, but they're also preyed upon a lot Mm -hmm. and grasshopper mice are super crafty. So I think that they're just like, they don't, they love the full moon because they can see their insect prey and their other prey that might be just like hanging out. Um, and, like, they're not scared of predators. They're, they can just, like, you know, bounce out of the way. Like, they're very, very crafty. So, ah, I love it. <laughs> it's very fun. Yeah, because I think that that's uh, – most mice in general tend to avoid full moons. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, when you're doing small mammal trapping, you don't do it on a full moon night because they're not going to be moving around. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like in areas where there are bark scorpions that they might be preying on, you know, there's like a little bit of that UV light coming from the moon that mm-hmm. might make them easier to spot even for these predators too. Oh, yeah. And they're just like, mm, yeah, God, get that juicy scorpion meat. Let's go. Like, nice. Oh. Delicious. Um, yeah. So the way that they feed and hunt is also pretty – it's apex predator energy. Every single species is described as stalking their prey in a feline manner. Okay. <laughs> so this includes things like tracking their scent and, uh, you know, like sneaking up on them, which makes sense. Like this is why they don't need to be fast, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're just like, you know, panthers out in the short grass prairie. Yeah, exactly. Spring loaded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um but, but then also announcing the attack before it happens. Like I don't know why this is a – like – <laughs> they they let out this shrill cry before they attack, and it can mm-hmm. last like 1.2 seconds. So they like get up on their hind legs, paws up, nose up to the sky, shriek out a howl, and then bounce from the bushes <laughs> <laughs> to strike their prey. Like <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's very fun. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, th- just, and this to, is... just to induce that last moment of terror. <laughs> yes. <you know? laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Oh, this, that might be interesting. Get I... some confusion or some yeah. alarm and then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe trigger a prayer response or something. And... Yeah, get them to freeze up. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, we'll get to this later. Gossiper mice do not freeze up even when they're on meth. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, that's good that, to know. That does sound like a that sounds like a 1960s study again. Yeah, yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so when they do spring from the sidelines after giving their warning cry uh, to kill their prey, they kill quickly with very strategic bites. They always go for like the back of the the head or the neck, depending on the prey that they're dealing mm-hmm. with. And they will even take the time to like you know bounce around and disarm their prey first mm-hmm. this includes like biting off stingers mm-hmm. or straight up paralyzing them before killing them um, by severing the spine so they're very strategic in their attacks yeah that's also kind of feline the going yeah. for the going for the neck going for the spine mm-hmm. like yeah kind of suffocating your prey yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i've never heard of a of a feline predator disarming that's why their opponents. Yeah, that's, that's very different. It's mm-hmm. so ooh, it's so good. <laughs> um, and once they start attacking, they attack unrelentingly until it's dead. It's kind of like it doesn't really matter why the attack started. Once they've started attacking, they do not stop until it's dead. Um, sort of a kill first, ask questions later situation. Um, they will sometimes just kill something that turns out to be inedible, and they're like, "Oops, my bad." But they oh. they they kill it first and then figure out what to do with it afterwards. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, and they are also agile enough to evade getting stung, grabbed, or bitten. Uh, so that allows them to kill deadly animals like huge centipedes that would otherwise eat mice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, those animals could sting or envenomate the mouse if they could grab it with their, like, pincers or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, there's a word for the centipede things arms in front of their face you know what i mean chompers the chompers yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so like if it gets grabbed by those chompers it's done for right but it's like boom 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 not mm-hmm. not this yeah. time buddy yeah. and it's just like you know going for the back of the head to kill it or, mm-hmm. or uh paralyze it first yeah. so there is a terrific video narrated by david attenborough yeah. of this exact situation of a grasshopper mouse versus centipede mm-hmm. yeah yeah so if you want to like see them in action you should go find that on youtube it's yeah. really good that's the thing that like is so fun about these animals too because everything sounds completely made up <laughs> but then you can go watch documentaries of this yes. actually happening and it's like oh wow nobody was exaggerating <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. No, yeah this mouse is straight up howling <laughs> yes it's which is wild by the mm-hmm. way to just like i don't know that they're able to obtain such footage of a solitary nocturnal like there's one of these per hectare yeah you know what i mean oh yeah yeah um documentary teams are really doing the most work out there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we thank them yes uh you mentioned so you might you might talk about this later Mm -hmm. but uh they're mostly avoiding the venom altogether they don't have like a lot of other animals that prey on venomous species have like some kind of like not immunity, but they can survive a bite. Grasshopper mice don't have that. That is a fantastic question. 
and is one of the things that makes the grasshopper mouse extremely interesting. Mm -hmm. I promise that I will answer that question. Um, To give a little spoiler, they do absolutely have resistance to some venoms. Um, But of course, when you're getting stung, you're not only receiving like an injection of a toxin, you are also receiving a wound. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, they try to avoid getting stung as often as possible by disarming or in the case of a centipede, it's like if those chompers grab the mouse, it's going to have a hard time getting out of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, avoid first and then brute strength uh, your way out of it if you do get stung. Dang. More on that later. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and of course, they also take on larger prey. Now, they will kill things bigger than them in captivity, but that's dumb because would they do that in the wild is the more important question. Uh, the answer is yes, sometimes, but not usually. Um, more importantly, they are a literal menace to short grass prairie birds. There have been papers about this. Um, And usually, I mean, mice in general can be menaces to birds because they will get into the nest and eat the eggs, which makes sense. Um, But these guys will just straight up kill entire birds that are on the ground at night. So, like, they'll go around and just, like, murder tiny, smaller uh, I'm not talking about like prairie chickens. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> we're talking like horned larks asleep on the ground or something. Sure. But uh-huh. like they'll just get murdered by these guys at night when they're sleeping. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, dang, right? Good stuff. I do have a quote uh, by an ecology blogger, Tracy Swidek, had a really funny article about these guys that um, was very well sourced too, and I had a great time reading it. Um, So I'm going to quote from her blog about these guys. Uh, She said, quote, scientists who have studied them are often astounded at their level of aggression and their heedlessness of danger as they attack Everything from harmless crickets to other mice to the most poisonous species of scorpions in North America with the same vigor. I guess that wasn't a funny quote, but I... <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to there call were, yourself out. There were out. other quotes that were funny. That's my bad. <laughs> but I just thought that was a great description. Yeah, yeah like yeah. They are just... It doesn't... Like, again, like, if it's a beetle or it's a scorpion, they're they're... The same vigor of attack. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Now, okay, if um, uh, hmm, what's their predatory success rate? <gasps> I don't know that. Ooh, okay. I don't know that. I wish I did. Yeah. But it seems like because once the attack starts, they tend to not relent until it's dead or it, sure. it's escaped. That like surely they do better than lions, right? Yeah. Well. But I don't know. I don't That's know. That's pure mm-hmm. speculation zone. Yeah. Who knows. Mm-hmm. If they had learned pack tactics, okay, <laughs> if they managed to coordinate, then they could take down prairie chickens and things like that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, That'd my God. That'd be exciting. That would be so cool. <laughs> <But> they, <laughs> oh, no. Well, then they'd probably become like a major ecological problem. Yeah. But, yeah. I think it's a good thing that they don't coordinate. <laughs> Although they have they, they have documented, researchers have documented um, uh, pairs working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they will coordinate an attack. But more than two mice would be a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whoa. This could be a really fun horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, Great. Um, 
Also, obviously, the aggression can turn PvP. So, you know, again, they aggressively defend their territories and burrows. And uh, no mice outside a breeding pair or a solitary mouse in its territory is really tolerated if they run into each other. Um, but honestly, I had some conflicting accounts from other older sources. Like there was one source, the Department of Ag one, when it was trying to be like, are they good pets? Um, <laughs> they were like... You know, like, as long as it's eaten recently, like, they'll even let white-footed mice, mm-hmm. you know, nest with them in their burrow and stuff, and they will tolerate other mice uh, to some extent. I think the issue here is that it inevitably turns to violence and that any sort of, like, you know, like, ah, you can chill here for the night sort of situations are short-lived. Sure. Yeah. You can chill here for the night, so I have an easy breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, no. Um, yeah. And I've already told you that, uh, being in a pair shortens their lifespan. So yeah. Dark. I do have a really fun (laughs) figure that describes the way that grasshopper mice hunt. It's like a flow chart, (laughs) a flow chart for the predation efforts of grasshopper mice and how they hunt. Okay. Search, orient, approach, hesitate, pursue, pounce, miss, (laughs) then go back to search. (laughs) Escape. Pin, bite, okay, uh, lift, eat, drop, <laughs> face, <and> wash. face wash, face <laughs> yeah. wash, yeah, just yeah. napkin, dip, 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 uh-huh. and we're done. Yeah, on yeah. to the next one. Mm. Great, Great isn't that stuff. fantastic? Yeah, that's a that's a. Good- <laughs> <laughs> the the, the uh-huh. caption for this figure is this is from uh by the way an article uh, a paper in 1986 um and it says figure one sequence of actions that occurred during a predatory attack on a cricket <laughs> amazing <laughs> face, wash. Yeah, face wash yeah so uh that that's uh their predatory nature in a nutshell wow well not a nutshell that was a very detailed <laughs> so okay would you rather mm. <laughs> be pursued <laughs> by a hundred grasshopper mouse-sized black bears? Oh God! Or one black bear-sized grasshopper <gasps> mouse? I'm gonna go with the black bear because at least we know how to fend those off. Like <laughs> they're so little, you could probably step like do they have the same like speed and other stats of a black bear like i think so yes so they're kind of lumbering and really they're they're oh very surprisingly fast though yeah okay Mm -hmm. okay but probably relying on their brute strength to overpower their prey right Mm -hmm. which they don't have anymore well there's a hundred of them (laughs) (laughs) look i do not want an unrelenting grasshopper mouse Mm -hmm. That weighs like 400 pounds. Jumping all over the place, yeah. <laughs> Severing my neck in one swift bite. Like, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Okay. It would eat my brains in two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I would also take, yeah, the tiny bears. Okay. I think. All right. You can punt them. You can just st- stomp on them. It- it'll be fine. Probably. Okay. Do you know that about one in 10 American men think that they could fight yeah. a bear unarmed? <laughs> yeah, that feels right. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it was ten. more than that. Yeah, I was going to say, just one in 10? Yeah, okay. seems low. Yeah. Uh, According to one graph I found. Uh-huh. <laughs> don't, don't attempt it. 
Oh, my God. Okay. Well, thank you for that horrible thought experiment. Well, you know, it's important. You Mm -hmm. know, we're talking ruthless, relentless predators, you know, so just, you know. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, guys, I have some delightful information about vocalizations because Ooh. we love talking about that stuff here on The Best Biome. Um, and grasshopper mice are, of course, extremely vocal. Um, I wish there was more research on it. There really isn't. Um, but basically, they make a variety of barking sounds and the one high-pitched howl that they are famous for. Uh, in 1966, in this Department of Ag paper, which was so delightful, it was described in these technical bullets this way. And this is, <laughs> and, okay, quote, grasshopper mice have two very different notes. The commoner, a short, sharp little squeak or bark. Ek, 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 ek. <laughs> <laughs> Uh uttered in rapid succession when on the defense angry or in hot pursuit of prey it is much like the barking of a tiny terrier and is used in much the same manner in expression of anger or excitement okay all right (laughs) a little little terrier (laughs) all right they bark like a dog great Uh yep fantastic Um, and uh quote the other note is a long, fine, shrill whistle in a high key, insect-like in fineness and quality. It is the wolf's howl in miniature, without rise or fall, and is made with raised nose and open mouth in perfect wolf form. And I have a video. Oh, yes. We've probably seen this before, but this is just a compilation of uh, only the mouse howling. <laughs> it's very good they really do tip their head back you uh-huh. know they're howling literally at the moon yeah <laughs> gorgeous um i believe that david attenborough documentary had an image specifically of the grasshopper mouse in front of a full moon raising fully on its hind legs uh-huh. and howling with its little ears tucked back yes. what a shot beautiful question though what is their pre-kill vocalization then the same howl it's the howl okay uh-huh we well if they are different if there are different howls um researchers have not figured out the difference it is used in multiple contexts interesting um so we've actually identified at least six vocalizations in different social contexts like mating or aggression Two of those vocalizations are only babies that do it. Mm. So that's like four known vocalizations. And that's like old. That's like from the 70s. So I don't know why, like, we just haven't done a lot of research on their vocalizations further than that. Mm. Yeah, the howl is thought to be both a hunting and a mating call and also maybe territorial. So it has a lot of different contexts. And the most recent research, like I said before, on grasshopper mice that I could find were actually in vocalization categories. So, like, even in that old research from 79, uh, it showed that we and, I guess, mice can get some really valuable information about the individual from the sound alone, like species, sex, age, size, obviously distance and direction. So there is some information that is potentially being communicated during those calls. Um, There were two papers more recently that looked at their vocalizations, one from 2016 that proposed evidence for vocal learning 
in grasshopper mice. Okay. So there's some element of them like learning socially uh, how to vocalize. I got to be honest, the paper was total gobbledygook to me. So <laughs> I I don't understand anything else because a lot of it was like, well, here's here's what we found and here's all the reasons why we might be wrong. <laughs> so mm. it didn't feel like very strong evidence to me, um, but they seemed to feel like they had some good evidence that they might have some vocal learning. Okay. And I don't know, like they stay with the mom for longer than normal in mice. And it's been hypothesized that that's because they also have to learn like hunting behaviors mm -hmm. and other pretty complex behaviors. So True. maybe vocal learning is part of that. Yeah. Do you know how long they stay with mom? Um, 14 days. Okay. That's objectively not that long. Though. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah. It's <laughs> a really um, fast. Um... Wait, because how, how long do... Um, like a house mouse will wean its litter at, I mean, honestly, two weeks. Um, yeah. I wonder why, because that does seem like pretty on par with other yeah. mice. So I'm wondering, it might be that they wean at 14 days, mm -hmm. um, but it the the research does specifically say that they stay with mom okay and learn behaviors from her longer mm -hmm. than is typical for mice so i yeah i don't know interesting yeah hmm hmm um the other paper that i found was from 2019 and basically they just profiled the entire auditory system of grasshopper mice to see how they receive and distinguish sounds and like how that whole system is tuned. And I mean, obviously they found that um, they're very tuned for social interaction and, you know, they got a profile for their audio sensory ecology is what they called it. Um, but really the point of that was to provide a baseline for future research. And they stated that in their conclusions too. So um, I don't know if this means like interest in this is picking up and there's going to be more work on it in the future. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's not like any groundbreaking stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But that just seems to be the thing people are interested in now with grasshopper mice. Yeah. Go research them, people. Yeah. What are you waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> Funding. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what we know about that. Great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fun like language research or anything, yeah, yeah. but yeah. you know, no, we've also yeah, maybe yeah. not identified as much as there is to learn there and that's hopefully true. more work is done. So the final thing I want to talk about with grasshopper mice has to do with their relationship to toxins. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually I had to, somebody asked me this during a LARP recently <laughs> uh -huh. where they were like, what is the difference between poisons, venoms, and toxins? And I was mm -hmm. like, what a fantastic question. Yeah. And I, the, just in case you're like confused about that at home, um, a toxin is something that is harmful to your body. So that could include poisons and venoms and whether it's a poison or a venom depends on its delivery into your body. If it's poisonous, it's getting in through like absorbing through your tissues, mm -hmm. whether you're eating it, absorbing it in your stomach mm. or whether you're breathing it in and absorbing it through your lungs. That's how poisons get in your body. Venoms get into your body by getting injected through bites, stings, syringes, whatever. 
I don't think so, so, <laughs> well I don't know in research well, maybe yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's few animals that use I really only one I can think of that goes the syringe route but. yeah that's true that's true uh, but we do yes we're not venomous though that's right yeah um, are, are we, we facultatively you know venomous I guess so nice yeah facultatively <laughs> venomous that's a cool fact about people yeah mm-hmm. huh. what a weird way to phrase that okay <laughs> So the research on grasshopper mouse relationships to toxicities from like 2006 is when we started investigating this stuff. Um, The 2010s is when it really kicked off. Uh, But we discovered that they are somewhat immune specifically to neurotoxins. So that's a specific brand of venom, right? These are the ones that cause incredible pain that might paralyze their prey. Think of a black widow spider bite. Yes. That's the type of venom, which also they tend to encounter a lot in the wild. That's Mm -hmm. like what the bark scorpions venom is and what some of these centipede venoms and snake venoms will do. So in cases where grasshopper mice have been observed getting stung or bitten and and have neurotoxins injected into their bodies, it's obvious that the wound of the sting or bite will hurt the mouse and they will react accordingly, maybe like retreating for a minute to collect themselves before going back in. They don't give up, obviously, but like retreating for a minute, um, behaving as if it hurt. But it does not incapacitate or even paralyze them if it should. Interesting. So they're back in the fight, like nothing happened. They're also weirdly immune to neurotoxic drugs. Um, This is where some of that old research comes in. Uh, This was stated somewhere, and I went and tried to find some of these papers. But for some reason, we've determined that they're weirdly immune to sedatives and antipsychotics. (laughs) And like we're talking like drugs that would lay us flat. Uh, It doesn't seem to have the same effect on them at all. Um, One study that I found from 1974 was where they tested giving meth to rodents. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just like did not interact with grasshopper mice the same way it interacted with other mice. (laughs) For example... It decreased aggressive behavior in seven different mouse strains in genera, except for grasshopper mice, which were the only mouse in the entire experiment that under every experimental condition exhibited more aggression. (laughs) So uh, stuff that otherwise would have inhibited some of their predatory behaviors instead made them more uh, aggressive and like just didn't lay them flat at all. Wild. Meth made them more aggressive. Yeah. That tracks, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And is different from other mice. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, yeah. So these compounds just like don't, is it just they just don't bind with however their nervous system functions? Like they just I... like their, those, their receptors or whatever aren't like, they just... Yeah, there's there's some um, presence of like proteins and amino acids in their body that bind to some of these agents and cause them to not function the way that they're supposed to. There's also we've discovered some cellular mechanisms, like some weird adaptation that just like got messed up somewhere in their evolutionary line that is hugely beneficial to um So uh, the cellular pathway, they studied this in bark scorpion venom specifically. Um, (laughs) The 
the the cellular pathway, so basically the way that the body receives the venom in its cells actually converts the toxin into a painkiller and it has painkilling effects. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So like it just not only processes that venom differently, but in some cases those venoms like have they get bound to by amino acids that render them useless yeah. or less effective. Um, absolutely insane. So so basically if a grasshopper mouse gets envenomated or stung by a scorpion, it's kind of like getting a morphine shot to overcome the wound that it entered through. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they jump back into the fight feeling less pain than they did before. Interesting. That's wild. Isn't that wild? That is, yeah, yeah. It makes sense though, yeah. So, okay. That's that's the pathway we most understand, right. I will say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it's as easy to get permits to like pump animals with antipsychotics and stuff, right? It happens. Uh, or meth. Yeah. It happens a shockingly amount, like shockingly common, especially like in mm. older research. But yeah, probably mm-hmm. a little harder. <laughs> Still probably do it with invertebrates. I bet they'd let you do it to invertebrates. Oh, probably. Yeah. Because yeah, we've read those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So oh. mm-hmm. what what is the uh, this is no we're probably just have mm-hmm. you can ask about like the chemistry aspect of it or well I was just curious because well like okay like nah <laughs> okay <laughs> no well like you know I was just curious what is the you know what is the, what are, what are the chemical compounds in these neurotoxins that and what are they being converted to I was just curious about that but that's probably like a yeah like, like aren't a lot of a lot of venoms or some venoms anyway, like like the active ingredient in them is actually like serotonin, right? Like that's the case with a lot of snake bites. Because like it's like if serotonin in your brain, great. Serotonin in tissues, incredibly debilitating. Like fascinating. So like is that is it the same kind of thing where it's like they're just sort of repurposing what is coming in and then it's like I've you know, I don't know. I'm just curious. Yeah, I I uh, didn't look that deep into the actual chemistry, but like the that information is readily available. Like they'll you know tell you which precise amino acids are involved and like mm-hmm. exactly how this like works on a cellular level. Um, I just didn't write it down because I wasn't sure if that would make for good content. <laughs> but now you're asking really interesting questions that well, I wished yeah, that but... I I I had read more into that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, but I think. One thing that does make this adaptation interesting is that there is like some variation in the effectiveness mm-hmm. of it. So it appears that all grasshopper mice share whatever this strange adaptation is, but mice that frequently encounter bark scorpions have more immunity to it. Like it seems like there's some limitations on you know, how efficiently the body can actually do this work in northern grasshopper mice that are not around scorpions as often. Um, they they have less immunity. And, and so it's a clear adaptive pathway, right, where sure. the more they're encountering the venom, the more efficient their bodies are at uh, doing this pain-killing effect and in shrugging it off. Okay. So... Yeah, there's there's some variation, and it's not like their bodies can't be overwhelmed. I think that's also why they're biting the stingers off of them and not yeah. you know trying to right. continue to get stung. For sure. Yeah, but well, because like 
not everything is a neurotoxin too because there's like true. some are like cytotoxins which will just i assume would just pretty much kill them yeah yeah because everything that they're immune to is specifically neurotoxins yeah like lots of lots of spiders go that route not just the neurotoxic thing right mm-hmm. yeah for sure um but yeah every every single grasshopper mouse is to some degree uh has some level of immunity to neurotoxins it's neat isn't that yeah, so really wild neat. yeah yeah there's a lot of research to be done here which is why i was kind of surprised i couldn't find anything mm-hmm. more recently um but you know there's a lot of interest for people in seeing like ooh, how can we can we turn pain into pain killing in humans like how yeah. how can we make this work for us right, obviously yeah, right. but um yeah what a interesting yeah application for like chronic pain sufferers right yeah yeah how can we tr- make your body perceive it differently wow. treat it differently yeah mm-hmm. absolutely wild i I'm going to look up the chemistry of this right after we're done. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's 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 all that I have for um, the grasshopper mice. I did, however, copy the entire disposition of them as pets just for fun for a little conclusion <laughs> okay. on here because I think okay. it's hilarious personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just to kind of like round it all out in 1966, this is what the Department of Agriculture. <laughs> thought about mice being kept as pets okay uh-huh. um grasshopper mice are conspicuously less nervous and timid than many rodents and even when caught in traps usually show no signs of terror either submitting quietly to being handled or making vigorous resistance in fighting or struggling to escape <laughs> When taken out of the trap, they have been known to sit on the open hand and eat live grasshoppers from it a moment later. Oh, that's so nice. Um, he goes on to talk about how they seemingly enjoy the company of their own or related species and the white-footed mouse tidbit that I gave you. Um, this this account says occasionally two will appear to be fighting, but they seldom injure, injure each other and are evidently only playing or indulging in their own form of exercise. Mm. Interesting stuff. We do know that they inevitably eventually kill each other, mm. but, you know, sure. that's cute that they and, – and this actually kind of – I did encounter research showing that maybe some of their social learning um, – you know, their their aggression with each other and their fighting with each other was also a really important form of communication. Hmm. The fighting? Yeah. With each other? Yeah, like specifically fighting is how they like communicate important stuff to each other. Sure. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Huh. Yep. Okay. okay. Anyway. Yeah, this is what a what a just enchanting creature. <laughs> uh okay, the account continues. Quote as pets. <laughs> Grasshopper mice show no attachment for the person who feeds them. (laughs) They are extremely independent and strenuously object to being handled. And while apparently unafraid and not nervous, they make every effort to avoid or escape from a person's hands, sometimes biting severely if captured and forcibly held, or if continuously annoyed by being touched and followed up by fingers. (laughs) Okay. Um, he speculates that perhaps they could be domesticated if you kept multiple generations in captivity. Um, 
But he says, uh, quote, captives have become rather less gentle with years of familiarity. <laughs> they just become more bold and more yeah. aggressive. More <laughs> they become worse. Uh, quote, they have some home instinct, however, and with the cage left open in a vivarium kitchen or basement, they will run at large all night and almost invariably be found in their own nests in the morning. As pets for children, or as playthings, they have not proved a success. Yeah. Yeah. But they will rid kitchens, basements, cellars, or greenhouses of cockroaches and other insect pets. When so used, the mice are easily handled and controlled merely by placing their cage with open doors in the room and allowing them to run at large at night. If rooms are not tight, they may escape and wander away. Or be caught by cats. Yeah. Yep. I was. Yeah. So they're trying to use them as like a barn cat, but it's yeah. a mouse. Basically. <laughs> it's pretty good. Isn't that great? I'd rather have a grasshopper mouse running at large in my house than I don't know a, a barn cat. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like terrorizing yeah. birds. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. not both? Just keep them away from each other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Release the grasshopper mice until they become a problem. Release the barn cats. <laughs> oh no! Uh, they are quite fertile yeah. and are difficult to wipe out. So. It's like colonize your entire property. Yeah. Um, so that's everything that I know about grasshopper mice, you guys. Okay. So the absolutely feral killing machine that hides from the light does not make a good pet. Who yeah. would have guessed? Not a success with children. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. They don't adapt to captivity. They just become more mean. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They just resent you more Uh, over the years. hmm. Great. Fascinating stuff. I love it. I'm just picturing like like somebody like being like a murder case where it's like, what could have done this? And there's just like a grasshopper mouse like having killed its owner just like in its nest. Like, you know. Just (laughs) paw on the shin bone, just (laughs) stripping it of flesh. Yes, amazing. Gosh, I think I'm personally more of a prairie vole than a Mm -hmm. than a grasshopper mouse. Love or not a fighter. Yeah, they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. I feel. Oh Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, And uh, that's okay. Both valid. I mean, as a human person, you should probably not try to be like a grasshopper mouse. I would say that's a good idea. But it's great that grasshopper mice are grasshopper mice. Yeah. 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 It's truly delightful that they exist, you it know? It is. <laughs> and they're doing great. Yeah. And yeah. they're doing fine. I mean, they're probably not doing like super, super great, like, you mm-hmm. know. But they're doing great. Least concern. Least concern. That's right. They're doing better than a lot of animals. Yeah. No joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I had a question that it's okay if you don't know the answer to. Okay. I'm 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 fascinated by the possible maternal maternal care that's going on and like Mm. the learning and stuff. Yeah. Um. Because you mentioned fighting being a way of communicating and stuff like that. So now I'm curious if the pups do any, like, play fighting at all. Because, like, you see that a lot in big carnivores. That's true. Oh, my so gosh. That's do you so good. I don't know if they do. I did not encounter that. I'm opening up one of my sources and looking uh-huh. to see if I missed anything. 
Yeah, are they like lion cubs that practice <laughs> hunting their parents? Yeah. They probably do. <laughs> oh, um, I'm seeing on the uh, southern grasshopper mouse that uh, they wean at three weeks of age. I don't know okay. why it said 14 days on one of the other species. Maybe I just read that wrong. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing anything easily about that. I mean, they have to be like wrestling and stuff, though, right? Well, like, yeah, I mean, how else do you know? How's the transfer of knowledge occur if not you know through mm-hmm. doing? Yeah. Well, yeah. it could be through little barks and chirps, but it's got to be through doing also because yes. that's you know an important form of their communication. Mm-hmm. Yes. And their brains are adapted to learn that to some extent. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really want to find like a footage of this now or something because I mean, I mean, they have to. Yeah. So many of their other behaviors mirror it. It seems so reasonable mm-hmm. to assume that that has to be true. Right. Yeah. A little convergent evolution. Yeah. A very tiny, large carnivore. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I want to. Let's start. Okay. <laughs> New meerkat manor related pitch, mm-hmm. grasshopper mice. Yes. Not as dramatic because they don't have like big family groups, but you True. know, we could stick a little camera in one of those little U shaped burrows and yeah. just watch the pups grow up and then watch yeah. them get into tuffles with the other grasshopper mice around them. And yeah. Amazing. Go on a killing spree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Amazing. Thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing that with us. You're what, what a wonderful animal. <laughs> And thank you for listening. The Best Biome is produced by our nonprofit, Grass and Groupies. You can find our show notes in the episode description below. Uh, we have links to our social media, merch store, all that good stuff. Uh, so check that out. And like we said earlier, we are taking a little bit of a break. We'll be back sometime around Halloween for a spooky episode. Uh, we might have to fight over who gets it. Or maybe we'll do three of them. Who knows? <gasps> we should do a three-person a three thing thing. Spooky. Yes. Spooky, spooky. Yeah. Regardless of what we do, it'll be a lot of fun. So come back in October and we will catch you later. Take care of yourselves. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Enjoy the last days of Rat Girl Summer. Yes. <laughs> what a niche call out. <laughs> People are going to get that. They, everybody knows Rat Girl Summer. Everyone. Nicole. I'm getting a stink eye. <laughs> it's not a stink eye. It's just a... Mm-hmm. Nice. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>